You're listening to the Creatively Connected Classroom Podcast, episode number 38. Welcome to the Creatively Connected Podcast from Education Closet. Connecting teachers and ideas one glue stick at a time. Here's your hosts and K-12 Art Chat founders, Matt and Laura Grundler. This is Matt and Laura Grundler, and welcome to another episode of the Creatively Connected Classroom. And we have with us today, today, not tonight, I'm usually, I don't know, but we have Claudio Zavala Zavala from from, Austin. Well, no, well, he is not Austin. He's here in Arlington. Oh, that's right. Mm. (laughs) I don't know. I forget. So he's like close by Irving. Where are you? Where are you? (laughs) I'm in, I'm in Duncanville. That's where I'm Duncanville. Like, living in living in Burleson. Yeah. Okay. So people probably, I mean, anyone that lives in a big city, you kind of just get lost in the DFW area. So even though he's in our area, it feels like a bazillion miles away. By <laughs> <So. laughs> hours on a, in a car too. Like, yes. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm sure. So um, Claudio, we had the immense pleasure of meeting you in person a few weeks back um, through a connection through participate.com and loved every minute of hanging out with you. So we're super excited to have you on the podcast today. And we'd like to start just by having you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do in the educational community. Awesome. Well, I am an instructional tech coordinator in Duncanville, which is a district. We're just bordering Dallas. And like you mentioned, in the DFW area, I'm a transplant from California. So I taught, trying to do the math, 11 years out there. And then when I came here, um, taught for two years and then been doing this tech training, anything to do with like tech, showing teachers how to use technology in the classroom, use it with their lessons, integrate it. So I've been doing that for about 10 years, I think, if I'm doing the math right. And um, everything from how to create lessons to use with like an iPad, a lot of the stuff that I like to share is just creating content. So with uh, applications like Adobe Spark or any Adobe products or just pretty much anything to just to be creative. So that's like one of my passions to help teachers integrate tech, but also be creative with it in the classroom. Well, and what we love about you too is that you're you're an artist in your own right. You have some beautiful oh photography. If people are not Instagram. following you, yeah, I was gonna say they've gotta follow you on Instagram. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> some beautiful, beautiful photography. And you share a lot of cool things for education there too. Awesome, awesome stuff. So what made you love creativity? in the fact that you were a classroom teacher first, right? Yes. Yeah. I think it stems from in my childhood. It was, um, my father's a musician and um, my mother, I guess in her way, she was artistic growing up. I mean, she, she really took care of the house, but really let us flourish in, in the things that we enjoy doing. Music was a huge part of like myself and my siblings life, but all of us were into art. All of us love to draw. So I think my mom just kind of helped uh, flourish that. And my dad was an artist himself, music wise, but also he was a, he would paint or, or draw. So I tried to mimic what my dad did. So he was kind of like, Oh, my dad's an awesome artist. I want to be like him. <laughs> and uh, so then like the drawings he would make, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take his art and I'm going to like, you know, steal it and learn from it and do it. So I've always enjoyed it. So then when I, when I became a teacher, which wasn't really my first career choice. It was going to be a fireman, which is totally funny. Completely, <laughs> like the completely different, you know, opposite spectrums there. But um, when I was teaching the classroom, I was one of those things that I've always implemented music 
either in, um, I brought some of my percussion instruments in class. So it was either like, I used them as like attention getters, you know, like people would go like, Hey, if you hear me clap once, clap with me twice. I kind of use different instruments. I'd either use a triangle or I use a, a vibra slap. If you're not familiar with what a vibra slap is, you ba- it's, they used to use jawbone of a cow and they used slap it and it kind of does this kind of sound. Oh. Uh, if you're familiar with, uh, uh, what's that song by, um, uh, Black Sabbath? Oh. I can't even think of the, the, the song, but there's a big vibra slap at the beginning. But kids would also be like, can I do it? Can I do it? I said, yeah. Crazy train. Crazy train. That was it. There That's it. And, uh, <laughs> I was like trying to think of it. And, uh, so I'd use those in the classroom. I would bring congas in, drums, and just like, just implement all that in the classroom. And then art was a big piece of it too. I was like, hey, we're going to do some art. There was a point in my career at one school, I won't say where, but we had administrators say, you know, it was like basically confiscated all the crowns, all the markers. We're like, we're not doing any, we're not doing any art. Oh! Seriously, it's crazy. And uh, Oh my gosh. Because there was a big push for like we gotta get test scores up and mm-hmm. they brought this big Holy they brought this cow. big wig from a different state. It's like we're gonna get things done, we're gonna make there's no time for art. Like what do you no mean time, there's no time for art? So, like, so needless to say there was art in my class. It was just <laughs> it was contraband. I don't know if you remember uh, art. <laughs> underground. It was deep underground. Like the school of rock, like when they turn all the oh, stuff yeah. around. Yes. 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 But Matilda when they put everything away like that's kind of like i had students that were like watch out you know like keywords someone's on the way you know whatever <laughs> just put everything away but it was always just a part of me and i've always been into photography as a kid either just using those i remember the little 110 film cameras mm-hmm. um, just using those to take pictures and as i as i got older got more into music so didn't do as much into photography but then everything just kind of comes full circle yes still doing music and then just like started picking photography back up and then making videos, movies, stuff that I enjoy. And so all of that is just a part of me. So whenever I, I create something, whenever I teach, I try to implement music um, and just really share with people how you don't have to have like an art background. It's hard right. to be, you don't have to be artsy to be creative. I think we're all creative in a way. And for, uh, fortunately I was able to do that for my students that, you know, no art. So I was able to like, okay, we're going to do it here. But I think at some point it was kind of been pushed out. And so people think they can't be creative, mm-hmm. but I, yes. I definitely think we all can be creative. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's something that Laura and I always talk about all the time is we hear people say, Oh, well, I'm not creative or I do that and we look at him and we're like well that takes creativity to do that stuff you know you always hear it like I actually had somebody say to me today I don't have a creative bone in my body Uh and I'm like you're one of the best speakers I know (laughs) and you're funny and people laugh and I'm like that takes creativity right there absolutely I think you know also the the subject matter that you were talking about in the chat, having creativity and mistakes. You started out with the question of why do we avoid making mistakes? And I think part of that conversation we were just saying, you know, leads into that. So what do you, what do you think of? Well, I think that we're always concerned if, for example, I was, I guess I'm going to say, I'll say I was conditioned growing up and just the way school was that there was one answer Mm -hmm. and the answer had to come about this way. And that's not necessarily the case. There's so many different ways to get to an answer. I mean, if you think about medicine, if doctors are trying to cure diseases and whatnot, if, if you were to tell them there's only one way to, that you can cure it, you can't. And if 
like the guys in Apollo like at the uh, when they needed to figure out how to fix that problem they were having. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. If, you, if you told them you could only use this, you know, no, it's like you have to open up the whole thing. It's it's, it's we're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. There's not just one way to do things. And I think in our education system for so many years, we were kind of conditioned to think it's like it has to be done this way. And then as years later, you know, you start to learn that like, well, there's I can do math in my head myself mm-hmm. and my wife is like how do you do that it's like, i don't know i just can i just can do it and she has to write it down and others you know there's oh you did it a different way than i did so there's so many different ways and i think we're worried that if we try something we're going to make a mistake that someone else is going to see and say that's not the right way but it really isn't a right way it's just like so when i say like it make a mistake it's it's really not much making a mistake i guess in the term in the sense of the term that it is a mistake but it really isn't it's just a messiness way to get to somewhere no absolutely i love the fact that you reference beautiful oops by uh bernie salzberg i know that's a favorite in our house yes and i use that in the classroom when i taught elementary but it's such a great way to get you know the and and you know we even talked about the bob ross philosophy of there's no mistakes (laughs) just happy accidents and i really feel that that you know that there's a lot of kids that are coming back to that so. Well, and, and I've seen Claudio post, I posted a quote that I said in some chat recently, and, and then you posted a similar quote, we're all on the same wavelength, about failure for growth. Failure is not, I never see it as a final finality thing. It's just an opportunity to move forward and keep moving forward and grow. And I think that that's the mindset that we really want kids to have. And I liked where you were talking about perseverance during the chat, because really that's what it's all about is how do you take that moment and persevere to move forward? So how do you do that for students, Claudio? Well, I mean, it's been years that I've been in the classroom, so I'll use it with my my daughter at home. She's like a perfect example of perseverance. And I think I now I have two kids. So my oldest is 21, youngest 14. So she's now 10th grader. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God. <laughs> um, but in raising them, I've, and it's, it's not so much the, the difference between boy and a girl, but there was a difference in raising. It was like, like I look back and I say, I should have let my son, I should have been more open, not so much open, but like let him explore more. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it could be first first child syndrome where you're like, <laughs> pretend. Yeah. But, but he's, he's still very still very creative in his own way. But I sometimes think back, you know, I probably could have sit back a little bit and just let him struggle through things and learn perseverance that way. Whereas my daughter, so for her, it's, I've been really like sitting back on a lot of the things when she's working on. And I'm going to say this past year, I don't think she's ever asked me for help with her homework. And it's crazy. I'm mm-hmm. like, because the eighth grade, it was like, dad, can you help me with this? Dad, can you help me with this? And I'm like, what's going on? Like, and she's like straight a kid, but it's like, what's going on at school? You know, everything. Okay. Like, yeah, I got, I finished everything at school, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, so it's just, I think, but from a young age, I was like letting her figure things out, letting Mm -hmm. her make mistakes. And I think that helps build students perseverance. Cause if you, if you interrupt, if you intervene a little kid's going to, the kid has a firecracker in her hand, you know, you may intervene, you know, (laughs) But in other cases, you're like, well, I'm going to kind of let's sit back and see what happens. Let them figure it out. And I think if we let kids, students, let them roam in the classroom, let them be creative, let them, you know, let's make a mess. And then I can't figure this out. You know, like ask questions, Mm -hmm. not give the answer, ask questions like, well, what have you think about another way of doing it? Think Mm -hmm. about. And so then they go back, back to the drawing board for the the cliche 
term, but I think about like I mentioned, you mentioned the chat that was that the company that created WD forty. That was thirty nine tries before they actually came with the fortieth mix that worked. But had they, you know, they had they given up on WD two, we, we wouldn't have what we have today. Have a lot of machines breaking down. Yeah. No, I love the I love the idea. Um, it's very similar to a friend of ours, Kathy Hunt, and she is a big proponent. And she will hand out devices or whatever, and just let them explore and experiment on their own because they're gonna they're gonna come up with solutions on their own. And there's that play again too, which is always important and always. Well, I think, yeah, we, we, it always comes up in our conversations with creatives, uh, this idea of play. And I think that, especially if you've ever taught elementary school, oh gosh, I mean, just sort of like (laughs) the example you just said, Claudio, oh my, I, I'm still stunned. Like I've heard stories about that, but I've never personally spoken to someone where they actually said no crayons and no markers. Like what in the world? (laughs) And, you know, I think about that and I think about as a child who grew up in the early 80s, we had a lot of free time. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of time to ride our bikes down the street. Build My parents make. didn't know where I was no. half the time, probably, because I was just out exploring my community and playing with my friends and being in the environment. And I think that that is something we really need to be cognizant of for our kids today because they're, they're so structured. Yeah. Their school day is so structured. Yeah. They have very little recess time that oh, they gosh. don't get the time to explore and play that that kids in the 70s and 80s had. And I worry about that a lot. I know one of your questions talked about encouraging play. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, definitely. I'm totally in a, to concur with you as far as growing up, being able to, I mean, I would go into my dad's garage and I learned how to use tools you know, a little bit by watching him and I was like, okay, that thing hits that thing, <laughs> goes into a piece of wood. Okay. Don't hit my finger. Good. Yes. All right. <laughs> but, um, and I think the other thing too, that kind of helped me is I had, there was a boys club when I was growing up and there was a, a gentleman there who even to this day, like we became friends. I mean, he taught us a lot about creating. We worked with wood, we painted, we mixed media, but we were able to play in there really and when we were creating, I had wood shop, wood shop in, in high school and metal shop in middle school. So those things, I used my hands to, mm-hmm. to make things. And we're kind of seeing a return to that with like a lot of the STEAM kind of initiatives in different schools. So I, I think partly too is I think they need to give room for play. I totally agree. Like, I even think it should be like longer recess. Like this is playtime. But I think it's the whole mindset that that playing is not educational that that right. playing has no value i think oh as adults when we go to when we go to training when we go somewhere you go to conferences they have like areas now where there's this is a mm-hmm. playground area we have a a, a, a maker space area where you so i think part part of it is getting the leaders in our in all of our schools and districts i mean sometimes they i i really think they should have some time to play because they sometimes they're just so <laughs> test score test score test scores like man you guys need to you should go and take the test and see how it is. Right. But, but have some time to, to play. I think needs to be I know, maybe put into school school day. You know, we're going to take 30 minutes here. This is not recess. We're going to call it play, creative mm-hmm. play. It's a hard thing because, you know, with uh, people will say, well, all they're doing is just playing. There's nothing. No, but it's organized. 
it's organized chaos. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it just let the kids man, let them have some fun. Let them let them play. And you know, some kid, oh geez, I got paint on my shirt. Well, it, it'll uh, live. It'll it'll wash it. It'll yeah. wash it off. Gosh, I, I mean, I would like, I would totally like, man, being back in the classroom where we can play, have play like that, man, go out and create a video with your phone, come back and go take five pictures. I want you to go find a, find a picture of a pole, you know, go find a picture of a, a circular object and texture. So, I mean, you're learning terms, but you're also going outside and like, and everyone's will be different. Mm-hmm. Everyone's will be different. Hi there. This is Susan Riley, founder of Education Closet. If you love these conversations with Team Grundler and friends, please be sure to check out K-12 Art Chat on Twitter. The chat is held every Thursday at 8.30 p.m. Central, and it's a great way to continue the conversation. Just go to twitter.com and search hashtag K12ArtChat. We look forward to chatting with you over there soon. Now let's head back to the show. When you were talking about play, I was thinking about kindergarten. You know, oh, they yeah. have that stations or centers, I think is what they call centers, it, yeah. where they have that opportunity to just kind of go around and explore different areas with different types of objects and, and whatever. And, you know, I think that we don't see that as having huge benefit. But if you, as a teacher, actually sit down and maybe even observe not even say anything, but just observe what they're doing, what they're saying. And as they're pretending, as they're playing, they're, they're working through so many things. And it's it was so crucial. Actually, so on the same wavelength with Matt, because I was just sitting here thinking that, gosh, we have it in pre-K and we have it in K. And then after that, gone. it's gone. <laughs> and the thing about it to me is it's funny that we have like this whole push for creativity and steam and social emotional learning. But Matt just said the word pretend kids learn a lot of that when they pretend or they make up a game with each other. Hmm. And then they learn all those social skills of how to interact with each other. And all of that relates to all the 21st century skills that, that employers are looking for. And it's, it's funny to me that we have, we've taken so many of those opportunities out of the school day for kids and Something you said at the beginning, Claudio, is that maybe, you know, a little bit in some ways we're conditioned to find the right answer. Maybe that is the testing. Maybe it's multiple choice and they're fill in the blank. I don't know. But really, that's the opposite of what employers want. You know, they want the creatives. They want the people that can problem solve. Absolutely. I mean, so you were saying something about, you know, being conditioned. So I'm going to think of like coming back to my son. So my son loved kindergarten. He was just like, school was it for him yeah. he loved it and you know kinder up to, you know up to fourth and i think we all kind of know the the what happens in in middle school they they go <laughs> they go into rows mm-hmm. and there's no more talking be quiet don't talk to each other listen to me and it happens in high school as well so his love of school just he was just like i want to get out of here i don't care about school anymore i'm just done and uh, so it, it kind of squashed his passion i want to say for learning because he he still learns on his own he's such a smart kid, but that's just like my son. I can imagine there's millions of other kids like that, that were affected that way. Well, I was just sitting here thinking about, I had one in past life, you know, working as an assistant principal (laughs) at a high school and trying to get kids graduated. I worked with so many kids like that. And I can see one in, I can see his face in my head right now. And he used to come to school and he couldn't stand the rows and the not being able to work with his hands and not being able to talk to people. And he would skip school to go work with a plumber. 
because he wanted to get a certified plumbing license. And he was basically a plumber's apprentice. And it was so hard for me to come down on him because he was doing something he was passionate about and that would move (laughs) his life forward. But the traditional, you know, rows and the way that we teach in a lot of ways just didn't fit for him. And I think about so many kids that I talk to that, you know, then they go into college and it was a whole new world because Mm -hmm. then they're back in this more Socratic type setting where they're having conversations with people and it's more free flowing. And then they're they're happy again, Hmm. you know? Well, the second thing I was saying, kind of piggyback on that is so I mentioned, so I've had the opportunity to visit Adobe headquarters, Google headquarters, Oh, not headquarters, just offices down here in, in Austin. And all those areas where the employees are working, it is an open space. Their places are decorated. They like are, they'll put their action figures all over the place. They can stand up or sit down. They can come and wear shorts or not shorts. They can come in a ball cap and they're, they're talking to each other. They have rooms where they can go talk if they need to kind of drown out the noise outside. Those are the places that all of our students, the ways the employers are going to have those type of atmospheres where people have to be able to communicate and work together. But what we've done is we've we basically siloed the kids. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, at, at, at kinder, they're like, ooh, we're, we're cooperative. And then mm-hmm. not anymore. And now we're sending them off to go work at these places and they can't get these jobs because they don't have those 21st mm-hmm. century skills. Yeah. So one of my driving passions right now is like, okay, creativity is huge piece. I was like, I'm just gonna just as much as I can. I'm like, just evangelize about it. It's like, say, give students opportunity to create, give teachers opportunity yeah. to be creative too, as well. Mm-hmm. Open up those times. Get, um, you know, some part of me thinks like these the tests they will kind of they'll fix themselves if you get the kids the opportunity because right now all you're doing is seeing if they can remember something. Really, yeah. that's basically yeah. it. Not if they're learning. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we could probably spend a whole nother hour on that. Well, I know. I'm just sitting here thinking, I know our time, our time is getting low, but I just, there is so much to talk about, but I think at the core and is the idea. And I, I love that you just hit on the idea of giving the teachers time to create too. Cause it helps you to become a better teacher. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, you I, see the possibilities, you see the potential and it just leads. Yeah. And it's less scary when you give them the time to practice and create and feel like then it's it's easier to give the children that opportunity and know that it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and I think part of it, our leaders have to get, have to be open, have to be flexible. And like, mm-hmm. I think it's all about taking a risk too. Like, yeah. You know, Hey, we've done it this way for so long and your and test scores are still the same. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. let's try something. Let's, let's give this a try. See what yeah. happens. I mean, it can't go any lower. Than- <laughs> <laughs> well, what would you say to, to educational leadership to, oh, to encourage them? I think part of it is giving them an opportunity to, to experience that, you know, the, the, the creative open space. That's been one of our, our kind of uh, drivers here is trying to get, some time with our leaders and say, and say, Hey, you know, our motto is that we're trying to prepare our students, you know, let's experience that ourselves and, you know, let's practice it ourselves. And, and so let's learn some, some tools here. And then what can you make with it? How did you feel when you were participating this way, as opposed to this way? Because, you know, I, I go to the, I see the meetings, the way the tables are, they're like in cooperative tables mm-hmm. and they're working yeah. in teams. 
but for some reason it's like you know i've one of the big things when i taught it's like i had one principal is like she didn't like noise it's like well we're gonna so basically i just told kids if you see her coming around the corner just get quiet when she goes by we can get louder again <laughs> but, I mean, just give, give the leaders it just ask give them time to just experience it i think that's the first and foremost and a part of it too i think is they also need to get out there and see what's going on in education outside of where we're at mm-hmm. what's 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 happening in the next five years where are our kids going to be in five years i mean what are we doing to prepare our kids for the next five years we're kind of preparing them for the way it was a couple of years back so are we doing what it takes to help our students? I think that's the first and foremost. It has to be about the students. And, and if they, they can't answer it and say, well, we're not. Okay, so what can we do to, you know, I'm here to help. I want to help get students ready. Well, I think you you hit something. The fact that you've been to Google and, and seen the offices at, at Adobe, you know, those experiences make it more real. Like I've had the opportunity to um, fossil headquarters. They do accessories and bags and watches and things like that. That's near where we are teaching and um, Toyota headquarters. Matt and I have both been there. And I think for us, especially as educators that have been career educators, lifetime educators, you know, that we get so invested in our little bubble of a world that seeing how other people work and what's expected of the workforce going forward is very eye-opening. And I, I would I would encourage all educators to do, and especially education leaders to do exactly what you did, Claudio, and go see those spaces to know what is expected of our students when they go out in the workforce to be truly career ready. Yeah, absolutely. And I know there's plenty of opportunities and I think it's just go experience, go see what's, I mean, for me, one of my huge, huge experiences is is South by Southwest education because it's like, they're thinking of what's happening in the next five years. And it's Mm kind of like, and then you come back and like, oh boy, we we need to, we need to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I certainly appreciate you coming on and talking with us. And uh, I know that you've probably you probably inspired him his last. Oh, I thought, they, I thought the, you know, what you could reach out to. No. Okay. No. All right. So I guess before we wrap up, is there any last bit of parting words or maybe a, a challenge to someone? who oh. might be kind of on the brink of should I, should I not? And, or how do I go about doing that? I think one of the big things for me was connecting with others that are like-minded. And so I think one of the first things you, that someone out there listening to this is like, you know, I feel like I'm by myself. I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm with my colleagues. No one's on the same page as I am. It's like, well, you can reach out to others that are on the same page that are there to support you. So for me, getting on Twitter was a huge, huge thing. So if you're listening and you're like, where can I find people? You can connect with so many educators that are passionate about the same things you are. Just find them on Twitter. Uh, even just post say like, hey, I'm passionate about this. I want to connect with people who are too. And I mean, you will probably find hundreds of people that will be willing to connect with you. So if you're out there, you're like, I don't know what to do. Find someone, connect with someone. I mean, the saying goes, we are stronger together. I totally believe that. And uh, awesome. don't be isolated. Connect with others. So I think that may be my word. What is it? Wednesday? Okay, it's not Thursday. I was going to say Wednesday wisdom, but it's Thursday. So it's Thursday wisdom. Thursday wisdom. Thursday wisdom. Thoughtful Thursday. That that. <laughs> Thursday. There you connect, go. Connect with someone. Stay. Connect with someone that's like minded, and you know you will build and get stronger that way. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. 
Thank you, Claudio. Oh, thank you guys I, for having me. It's a pleasure to get to know you. I'm I'm really excited that you're close to us, even though it feels far away. <laughs> and um, hope to continue to connect with you and uh, maybe partner keep, in some cool keep things. Sharing some yeah, stuff, keep so. sharing some stuff. Yes, definitely. So, Definitely want to still have still on the thoughts about like what we talked about that night. Like, oh, yeah. te- tease to people, film festival. Ooh, we are, we have ideas. Hey, I'm on, I'm on board with that. Yes, so. the creatively connected film festival. That's right. Yeah. There you go. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, you have a good rest of your day. And uh, how many more days do you have left? I work all summer. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's right. Yes. Okay. I'm taking some time off here and there. Um, good. But um, I'll, can I share my uh, my contact info in case anybody? Absolutely, yeah, awesome, yeah, awesome. yeah. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Claudio Zavala Jr. And uh, you can find my website at iamclaudius.com. And you can find my YouTube channel there as well. So awesome, uh, awesome. And Claudio shares amazing resources oh yeah. and some really great stuff. Love what you're doing with Adobe Spark. Um, and I'm, Keynote. Didn't you do something with Keynote as well? Playing with it a little more, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. You inspired so, me because I, I started kind of dabbling with it as well. So, yeah. so awesome. <laughs> thanks for all, all right. you do, and we appreciate it so much. Thank you, Claudio. Well, well thank you for having me, and this is awesome. Enjoy okay. it. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye, Bye. Claudio. Bye. Summer is coming, friends, which means it's time for a break. Team Grundler is taking off for the summer, but stay tuned for what's next this fall. Heads up, seven up, friends. If you've been enjoying these episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Creatively Connected Classroom podcast. You'll get a notification every time we release a new episode each and every week. And take a screenshot and put it on your favorite social media, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, you name it. Tag Education Closet and K-12 Art Chat so we can reach out and say thanks. And if you really love us with all the feels, give us a review and or a rating over on iTunes. It helps others find the show and connect with our incredible community. Thanks for all your support.